welcome back to the Worst Sister Shower podcast. We're the Worst Sisters. I'm Sadie. I'm Suna. And I'm Adson. And we're back this week with another episode of Whisperia Lane, uh, where we'll be covering episodes 15 and 16 of the first season of Desperate Housewives. Here in the Shire, we have a motto. If attempted murder is a crime, then attempted comedy is a podcast. So without further ado, I'll hand it off to one of the other sisters to discuss episode 15 for us. Hello, I'm one of the other sisters. Episode 15 is called Impossible. And in this episode, there's a theme of telling truths and lies. And the main things that kind of happen to the housewives real quick is Brie finds out that her kids aren't maybe as traditional as she is when she finds a condom in the laundry basket. Tom's after a big promotion, but it means that he will spend a lot of time away from home. Gabby is being blackmailed by John's friend who is testing whether he's gay or not. And (laughs) Mike's being questioned about Mrs. Huber's murder. And moving on to episode 16, Episode 16 is called Ladies Who Lunch. And this episode is all about one of my favorite things ever, scandals. I love a good scandal. So one of the first things that we see is Maisie Gibbons gets arrested for solicitation. And the fallout from that is that Rex and Brie also get hit by that scandal. Find out a bit more about Lynette's scandal with lice outbreak at the school. And we find out a bit more about Gabby's scandal with her lack of money. And we find out a bit more about what's going on with Paul Young. Okay, so we're starting with Lynette. Yep. Yep. Okay, so when we first see Lynette, um, she's at home trying to organise dinner or something and Tom comes in and tells her that he's been passed over at work for the promotion and she tells him to stop being a shrinking violet, Yeah. basically. I thought it was quite mean, shrinking violet. If you want to talk about what was mean, what was mean was when later on he ends up getting the job. means that he has to go be away from home even more. He's going to be less involved with the kids, whatever. And Lynette was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was what was involved. And he's like, this is my career, Lynette. Like, acting like a real bitch. But it's like, what about all the sacrifices that she made for you? Exactly. Why was that never an option in any of this? Why doesn't he look for jobs out of house? Basically told her, you don't matter. She said, don't be like such a pushover. He said, you don't matter. They're not the same thing. Agreed. Yeah. Because in particular, what bothered me about that scene is when she's like saying like that she's concerned and stuff like that. He's like, don't ruin this for me, Lynette. And like, as if she's trying to ruin it for him, she's just concerned because like, I don't know if he remembers, but like three episodes ago, she was popping pay- um, ADHD medication and like then they had to get a nanny that they had to fire because of him not being able to keep his eyes to himself. Yeah. And now yeah. she's without help yet again and that's not being addressed. <laughs> and in the end, he did take the job without getting her on board as well. Like he didn't yeah. make it as a team decision. He said, it's important to me. I'm going to take the job. Exactly. And my note to myself here was, I feel like he literally got Lynette pregnant just to get rid of the competition because she was very competent at work. He wanted her out of the workforce so that he could excel. Exactly. I reckon so too because honestly, Lynette like, seems like a bit of a gun. I know. I'm so anti-Tom. Yeah, same. I feel like he does literally nothing right. Like he does has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. He fails to recognize the significant, like he thinks his job is important to him. 
it was really important to Lynette too. Like she liked it as much as him, if not more. And he doesn't appreciate that sacrifice that she made. Yeah, exactly. And how many times has she said, I miss the game. I miss working. I miss this. I was good at it. And like, she brings it up constantly. I don't know how he can't realize it. That Yeah. I feel like it's not the fact that Lynette's, uh, you know, staying at home. It's the fact that he continues to underappreciate the fact that she has taken that sacrifice. Because, yeah. you know, it's not for, it works not for everyone. Some people would love to be at home with the kids but that's not Lynette she's yep. not the one that wants to be home with no the kids. she's not so this is a sacrifice yep. for her exactly well um Lynette is a bit snarky about this she's a bit upset she's you know fairly so I think but the kids are sad that Tom you know isn't going to be home on time and stuff to see them to bed with his new VP job so she brings the kids to his window office and you know he's doing his thing where he's like wheeling them around like around the office like crazy in the spinny chair and they're having a great time whatever but Lynette is a bit sneaky and Tom's boss's wife who I guess also maybe works there or just hangs around all the time happened to walk in just helps make hiring decisions yeah, just makes mm-hmm. helps make hiring decisions because this woman, woman who is um, you know, Tom's boss's wife, said, "I told him to give Tom the job because he's such a workhorse, and you know, he loves the work, and he's been here forever, and like he wanted to wait for Tim Dugan, but I told him no. Tom's your man." And Lynette is like looking real sad about it until you know this wife lady is like, "Are you okay?" Like, and it's like, "No, no, it's great, it's wonderful. I mean, we will miss him." You know, with him being gone all the more and the money will be nice, but oh, he'll be missing birthdays and baseball games and first step. I just hope he doesn't regret being gone so much and missing so much of the kids' lives. Like real sad about it. And it's just like, well, better get in there. Yeah. <laughs> so she really lays it on thick to, you know, put on the guilt for this. And not only does she help make hiring decision- decisions, she makes firing decisions. She does. <laughs> she didn't fire him. She just demoted him back to his original place. Yeah. Exactly. He got demoted. They're going to hold the promotion for Dugan. Yeah. And, yeah, Tom's, like, real glum about it, you can tell, but he's trying to, like, you know, keep his chin up. But also, like, how weird is it? Imagine you give someone a promotion, but then, like, two days later, you're like, actually, no promotion for you thing. I know. That is really weird. I'd, like, literally quit my job. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go work elsewhere, mate. (laughs) I know. That's when you quiet quit. You're like, oh, okay, thanks. And then you apply for jobs on your lunch break. Yeah, exactly. That's what you'd be doing. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. And like, it would also be weird to try and explain this to other people because I assume you made an announcement that Tom got a promotion. Do you make an announcement that he got a demotion? Okay, should we talk about lice now? Yes. Go forth. All right. So this next episode, um, Lynette gets to school to pick up her kids, the twins, and there's a teacher handing out flyers and the flyers are basically telling people to be wary that there's a lice outbreak at school. Now, as she looks over, she's standing there with two other moms. She looks over and her kids are scratching their heads like crazy. And these other two moms also see this. So she's trying to rush them to the car. Yeah, but it's because these moms are real freaking weird because they're like demanding to know who started this lice outbreak. What the hell? Have you guys never been to a school before? Never been to a school, never seen a lice. (laughs) Like, lice outbreaks happen. It's a part of having kids in school. Like, it's just going to happen. 
They all I dance know. on top of each other's head. It's going to happen. I'm just, I was just about to comment, right? So later that night, Lynette is um, at home and she's de-lousing her kids with brushes. And like, I wouldn't even bother to do that. I just shave my kids' head like they're boys. Yeah, I thought of that too. But also I think she doesn't want to do that so that because these people are on a, like a witch hunt over who. Oh, yeah. I guess. I didn't think of it like that. She didn't want them to be a target. But also apparently, I haven't tried this because I don't have kids, but apparently you just drown them in mayo. You just like literally pour a tub of mayo on their head and wait. Yeah, and you let it sit there for like an hour. Yeah. And it kills them. I just dye my kids' hair blonde if that's the route I'm going to take because hydrogen peroxide kills them as well. But then you have blonde kids. Then you have blonde kids, yeah. Where, where you could have kids that smell like mayo. I know what I prefer. I know, same. <laughs> yeah, blonde kids. <laughs> no, mayo kids, obviously. obviously <laughs> then you just mayo like, kids. <laughs> you're in the middle of making a sandwich and just slap some bread on your kid's head. <laughs> Ew. Every time your kid wa- walks past, you're like, hmm, I feel like an egg sandwich. I <laughs> know. <laughs> So anyway, as she's de-lousing her kids, the phone rings and um, it's Chofa's mum and she's telling Tom that the um, birthday party is cancelled because Chofa got a case of the measles. Yeah. So Lynette is up in arms. She's like, no, she spent so much time and money and effort in planning that party. There's going to be a bouncy car. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. There's no way she's cancelling it. They're trying to disinvite us because they think the kids have lice. Lynette decides to, like, Tom tells Lynette that she's going crazy and doesn't support her in this little frantic business of hers. So Lynette takes uh, the matters into her own hands and goes to the school nurse and sort of butters her up first, asks her some questions, and then she decides to give her a rant about what Tofa's mum did. So the nurse, also not liking Tofa's mum, decides to let her in on a secret. Patient Zero was, in fact, Topher himself. And he's been responsible for, like, four other outbreaks. <laughs> I know. Yes. Can I just say that this is another classic example, though, of Lynette making her life other people's problems, though. Like, going up to this nurse and being like, you have to tell me who Patient Zero is because my kid's got invited, uninvited from a party and I'm holding you personally responsible, basically. Yeah. Now you've – okay, because we're about to get into it, but – you know, Lynette goes to this birthday party anyway and causes a scene. And she even says, Nurse Abigail told me basically who it was. And she's like yeah. naming names as well. Like, you're going to get that nurse in trouble now for breaking confidentiality. Yeah. That's conveniently not a plot point, though, because it's not relevant. <laughs> yeah. So um, Lynette gets to the birthday party and I really laughed at her present of choice. It was a um, drum set. <laughs> Yeah, bongo drums. That's the gift that you get for parents that you hate, honestly. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. If anyone got my kids drums, I'd probably punch them in the face. (laughs) Sadie, I'm bringing your kids drums. No, don't. Yeah, so Lynette was crashing this um, Topher's birthday party and she takes Topher's mum into the bouncy castle and they have like a standoff. Mm. Um, she stands her ground and Topher's mum decides that, you know, it's better to just leave them be than to start telling everyone the truth. So Lynette wins that battle, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for Lynette. All right, let's do Gabby. Gabby. Um, Gabby gets a visit from John's friend, Justin. Are they still in high school? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So it seems like it. So I thought John had just finished high school and that's why he moved out because he's, you know, meant to be going to college and stuff and didn't do it. But his friend, 
and his roommate, Justin, I think is in high school because we later find out that Justin is worried about what the high school girls are going to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. But I think John might also still be in high school. College might be next year. I think it's still the school year. So why have they moved out the house now? Because he's over 18. Plot convenience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So Justin comes over to Gabby's house and is like, I want to offer you my services for free. He wants to mow the lawns and trim her bushes and stuff. This is the second time that trim the bushes has been a sexual thing, but I don't see it as a sexual thing. Like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And Gabby's response to this is basically, she says no, obviously, but she doesn't say, no, I'm not interested because you're a teenager. She says no, because my husband is home and he's taking care of trimming all the bushes. I know. <laughs> my bushes are trimmed, thank you very much. My bushes are trimmed. <laughs> and then she threatens him and like she's like, Oh, the reason he's home more is because he's on parole. Yeah. And he's not very happy with the government, so you know, so this he's she's basically trying to threaten this kid to leave her alone. But later on we find out that Justin sort of bypassed Gabby and went straight to Carlos and was like Hey, I want to do your gardens for free as um, John's friend. So Gabby looks out the window and there's a shirtless Justin just mowing the lawns, trimming the bushes. Yeah, but also is Carlos this dumb? He thinks he's a lucky man. (laughs) He does think he's a lucky man. Like, you can't be this dumb. Why would you think some teenager wants to mow your lawns for free because your old gardener was his friend? That's why Takashi took him for a ride, bro. That's the guy from Big Hero 6. We're thinking of Tanaka. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Big Hero 6 is hilarious, by the way. No, it makes you cry two minutes in. Don't even do it. I know, but my kids, they love it. Um, But yeah, so Justin, the free gardener, um, decides he's also going to sneak into the house and say hi to Gabby while she's in a robe in her room because he wanted to see if there's anything else that he could do for her. Also, the amount of time Gabby spends in a robe. Like, I'm jealous. I know. She lives the life I want, minus the sewerage. Can, can I just um, talk about this scene for a second? Carlos is downstairs with an ankle monitor on. No, no, he's not. He was at a meeting with his lawyer. Oh, so he had that's right. To leave. That's right. Okay. Because I was like, how is yeah. that man not noticing that this guy just walked into his house upstairs to his wife? <laughs> no. He's probably like, oh, I was also friends with your maid. I got to scrub the floors. I <laughs> know. <laughs> We're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we are so blessed but yeah gabby tells him to leave and justin's like mm, no you have to be nice to me you know like be nice to me at least once she slaps him and he says you have to be nice to me at least once otherwise i'm going to tell mr solis what you did with john Rowland." and then he walks away looking all smug so yeah. gabby takes it upon herself to take to take care of this again not by herself but with a different man (laughs) she rocks up to their apartment and she's like where's john i'm gonna tell him that you tried to seduce me and he's gonna bash the shit out of you basically verbatim well we find out that actually justin's a real good guy right he's got a heart of soul he's got a heart of gold (laughs) heart of soul soul. he's got a heart of soul it's true And um, what he's been doing is he wanted to test out whether he was gay or not. And he wanted to um, sleep with Gabby to test it because he thinks he may be gay. And Gabby's like finding out more about why he thinks he might be gay. And if he's been acting on these feelings and he's like, oh, I have a buddy. We get together and mess around like it's no big deal. I know. (laughs) I'm like, mate, Justin, you're gay. (laughs) Like, do you think that maybe, maybe the fact that you're hooking up with a guy might indicate some feelings towards men? 
And he was like, oh, it was no big deal. It was just like fun. But lately I've started to develop feelings like, mate. Oh, so this guy I'm hooking up with, I also have feelings for. Do you think I'm gay? It's not gay unless my heart's into it. So he redeems himself by saying, oh, I may be gay, but I'm not a jerk. I never would have told Mr. Solis. And um, Gabby, because um, he's got a heart of soul, Gabby decides to give him something to help him out. And she gives him a, like a really passionate kiss. And he says he felt nothing. And then she concludes, you're definitely gay. I love that this whole thing around Gabby is that like everyone's in love with her. Like a few episodes yeah. ago when Susan was with that cop, um, she was like, when they're not looking at me, I notice. <laughs> if yeah, I've kissed you once and you don't like it, you must be gay. <laughs> like literally, Gabby, we know you used to be a model. <laughs> she doesn't bring it up enough, you reckon? Yeah. She's giving Hannah vibes. She's never hits on me. But we do end the episode off with Gabby being actually, like, reasonable for once. The first time in her life. Yeah. She tells Carlos that she wants to sell the house. And he's just like, are you crazy? As if it's not, like, the only sound, like, idea she's ever had. Mm. Because they're currently, like, struggling with all this money issues, these money issues and stuff. And um, they can't pay their bills. They're, not, they're dipping into their savings. Things aren't working out very well. And Carlos says he never wanted to be poor at this point in her life. And Gabby, to make him sort of feel better, explains her life philosophy that, you know, she's been broke but never poor because poor is a state of mind. And right now we are just without funds. (laughs) And they talk about it and they decide they're going to maybe get an apartment somewhere, start over, and who knows, it might even be fun. But then in the next episode, there's no no mention of it. Yeah, I know. Well, they can't even sell their house because it's literally spewing sewage everywhere. They're going to need to fix that first. I know. Spoiler. But that's what, how we start the episode. So Gabby's having a shower and um, Carlos is basically running around checking all the sinks because they're like filling with brown water and Gabby can't hear him. And he realizes, oh, it's sewage. Sewage is coming out of these sinks. And as he comes to that realization, so does Gabby, because I'm guessing her water also started changing to sewage. Yeah. So they call the local plumber Mike and he comes over and has a look. Apparently the whole thing needs to be repiped. And even if he does it at cost for them, it's going to cost them at least six or $7,000. And like these people, when I tell you they're stubborn about admitting that they have money issues, this is oh my the prime God. example. <laughs> because literally Mike's like, it'll be like six or $7,000. And you can tell that they're like, oh, shit, that's a lot of money, right? Because it is. Um, Yeah. And Mike tries to give them an out and he's like, okay, look, if money is an issue and I think he was going to offer them some sort of like a payment plan or whatever, but they don't even let him offer. They're like, oh, no, no, money's not an issue. We just need to um, prioritize what we're spending our money on at the moment. And he's like, there's shit coming out of your pipes, lady. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And Gabby's just like, yeah, well, it's on the short list. (laughs) Yeah. I know, like just freaking tell him, yeah, money is an issue at the moment. As you can tell, my husband has an ankle monitor on. I know. And because like Mike gets it because that's also how they basically bonded. Mike was like, well, thank you for calling me, even though everybody thinks I'm a murderer. Yeah. Like, you know, help each other out. Give him some good recommendations. So Gabby's basically just using all her friends' houses to um, pee pee and to like wash her armpits in the sink and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. That's called a horse bath, okay? It is. And I wrote that in my notes, but I didn't know if I should say it. You totally should. Okay, well, Gabby's having horse baths around the place. (laughs) I don't understand. Just tell your friends you're having plumbing issues and they'll let you have a shower there like i know and also like they might even let you just stay there while you have fix your plumbing issues i mean you don't necessarily have to stay there because they live like across the road anyway so yeah but like what are you gonna do at 2 a.m when you have to pee 
I actually stole a porta potty. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, but like, what do you do before she stole a porta potty? Hold it until nine when you can knock on the door. Let me see them tiles again, girl. Anyway, she's um eventually, like we just said, she runs out of bathrooms to go to. She's running out of excuses. She doesn't want people to know. And this is all happening during a scene where she's shaving her legs and doing laundry in the spa. Like things are getting dire for them. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally living like this um wild life inside a mansion. My favorite thing is when she's like, I don't have time to talk about this. I have laundry to do and turns on the hot tub. <laughs> I know. I thought that was one but of the then, funniest scenes in the in the entire show so far. I think so too. But then, right, so she wants to um, hide to, from people that she has plumbing issues and can't afford to fix the plumbing right now. But she decides to go and drag a porta potty to her house. Like, don't you think people are going to notice you wheeling a porta potty to your house through the streets? No, and that's what I was going to say as well. It's literally on your street. I think it's like from 80s construction site. Just walk over to 80s and use the tw- the porta potty for free without bothering anyone. That's actually true too. But like, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather tell people I'm having plumbing problems than have them watch me cart a porta potty over to my house. Yeah, exactly. I feel like everyone's on this street all the time unless there's something good happening. Where was everyone when Susan started a fire? Anyway, even after this, she still had to go to Breeze to use the toilet because Carlos was, you know, hogging the porta potty. Taking a fat dump, yeah. Yeah. She goes to Breeze, she's busting, but she goes under the guise that she's going to be remodeling and wants to see what her tiles were like. And Breeze finally like, okay, look, what's up? I know that you've been using excuses to come around and use our toilets and stuff. Um, like, what's going on? Are you having financial issues? And she does say to Gabby as well, like, I'm a bit insulted that you couldn't be honest about this with me because I'm a good friend. And Gabby says, and we'll get into it more in Bree's timeline, but everyone's basically found out about Rex and Maisie Gibbons. And she says, well, it's the same thing about why you didn't tell me about Rex. But Bree's like, no, that's different. <laughs> and Gabby's like, why? Because it happened to you? Which is a really good point. Correct. Gabby gives us her life philosophy and she says, good friends support each other. After they've been humiliated, great friends pretend nothing has happened in the first place. And Brie gets up and just wishes her good luck on her remodel. Yeah, I feel like that's not a good philosophy. Like, you're going to see your friends Agree. suffering and you're supposed to do nothing. That's, I don't feel like that's not a great friend. Yeah, but until that friend asks you. No, I fully agree because, like, we get into a bit more with side of things as well later on. But that's yeah. exactly why her and Maisie's sort of relationship fell apart as well and they stopped being friends and why she felt okay sleeping with Rex to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Because Maisie basically told her the same thing. Bree said to her, look, I ignored you because I thought you'd be humiliated. Maisie was like, I might have been humiliated, but at least like, you know, it was better than the deafening silence. At least I would have known I had friends. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that wasn't the answer either. So anyway, Bree then goes over to Gabby's house and gives her some money. She says that she's not renewing her club membership anymore. Those things aren't even that exclusive anyway. So (laughs) she'd rather the money go to somebody that could use it. She says her version of her philosophy she says, good friends offer to help in a crisis. Great friends don't take no for an answer. I like that philosophy so much, better. I feel like if that's not your philosophy, then it's all like... Superficial. It's all superficial, right? Yeah, like once upon a time, Snow broke into my house and she cleaned my kitchen for me. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that's not the nicest thing I've ever done for you, but it's, apparently it's up there for you. It is up there for me. Because <laughs> when, when you've got a new baby who's not feeling well, you haven't slept all freaking night to, co- to wake up and find a kitchen elf in your house who's made you cereal for breakfast and cleaned your kitchen, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> made you cereal for breakfast. I put cereal in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 
You still did That's it. That's what you do with a doll. <laughs> I see you've watched um, The Castle. No, I haven't actually. You just quote it all the time. Oh. <laughs> I still haven't seen The Castle. <laughs> I thought you had seen it because I was like, great reference. No, it's a great reference because you quote it all the time. That's the only way I know it. <laughs> oh, well, great reference from me. You should watch it. <laughs> Best Aussie film ever made. I will need to watch this. Please do. Yeah, so that about sums it up for Gabby. And that means it's gonna be Bray. Okay, so our opening scene actually starts off with Bray talking about her old-fashioned fit family values where she believes in god family and country music but when she's doing laundry she finds a condom in the laundry hamper so brie obviously goes to her adulterer husband and is like you said the cheating was over i can't believe you're doing this and rex is just like i'm not the only guy who uses that hamper brie and they kind of start having um a conversation about what their parenting approach should be for this rex thinks even addressing it isn't even worth it and brie thinks that she needs to get him to forbid him from having sex and brie says if we take away his condoms he can't have sex and rex puts things into perspective for her he's like brie let me put it this way do you want to be a grandmother (laughs) and next thing you know brie is putting a nice little condom on top of his folded laundry in andrew's room i know yeah so that night at the dinner table everyone's just sat there eating dinner and brie just about unhinges and comes comes loose and she's like what is going on Andrew are you having sex and he's like is this to do with that condom that you put in my room because it's not mine right so she doesn't believe him and then he outs his sister the condom belongs to his sister which took Brie for a free fall she wasn't expecting that one I wasn't expecting that one to be honest with you but I also really liked um Brie digging to find out about Andrew's friend with the pierced navel I know (laughs) when um Andrew was talking about the um the party, so we'll get into it in Susan's timeline, but Zach's having a pool party and Andrew's making fun of it, saying that Zach's genetically incapable of being cool, etc. And Bree's like trying to find out about who Andrew could possibly be sleeping with. And um, he tries to give him a curfew, which sounds not typical for a non-school night, apparently. And then Bree and um, Rex start fighting. I liked Bree's comment when she's like, if you get Lisa pregnant, you will marry her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so Andrew does say he starts laughing and he's like the condom wasn't mine and he looks to Danielle who is um like avoiding all eye contact and they're all shocked and she's just like you know you kind of suck yeah so we find out that Danielle is still a virgin she hasn't had sex yet but she is planning on it and Brie is like um but you're president of the abstinence club and she's like yeah well I wasn't gonna run for second term <laughs> I know that's what I was gonna say <laughs> Sass runs in the family. Anyway, John um, apparently broke up with Danielle because she wouldn't sleep with him. And that's why she wants to have sex now because she thinks, you know, she's going to hold on to a guy because, you know, other people are sleeping around. Bree's like, well, you know, that's not how you get love. That's not how you keep a guy. That's not how you get love. Like, even if you sleep with him, that doesn't mean he loves you. And Danny is very fairly like well you waited until you were married but dad ended up cheating and you're now miserable i know so again not being able to fix the problem brie decides to take it upon herself and she goes to visit john in his bachelor pad so she goes to see john and she explains the situation to him and he's like that's not the reason i broke up with her the real reason i broke up with her is because there's someone else yeah and john just saw this as an out he knew that Danny was in the abstinence club and he saw it as an out and like an easy way to just dump her. So um, Brie tells John to 
not let her down gently. In fact, she wants him to be brutal so that she's put off having sex for a longer time, I guess. Well, I think he definitely takes that advice on because we see them at the party. Um, Danny goes over to him and they both say that they should talk. And the next time we see Danny, she's yelling out, crying and saying, don't touch me. So I I think he really did take what Brie said to heart and he was brutal. And I think that's it for this episode for Brie. Yeah. In the next episode, Brie's storyline is very much about the Maisie Gibbons drama. So we start the episode with Maisie Gibbons getting arrested for solicitation. So she, we see her bringing in um, a gentleman caller to her bedroom and she's wearing her, you know, nice little lingerie and, and he's asking her questions about, does your husband know what you do in here when he's off at work, whatever he's asking her. And she's like, no, he has no idea. And he pulls out his handcuffs and says she's under arrest. And she thinks that this is a kink. So she's like, oh, you're going to have to pay extra for that. I know. (laughs) So, but she's under arrest for real, for real. So this whole thing turns scandalous. She's like running out into the street in her lingerie. She's screaming. People are gathering around. She's being dragged around by the cops. I know. It's a whole thing. And um, we find out that bad news travels fast. So pretty soon every housewife in the county knows about what's happened with Maisie Gibbons and um when Brie and Rex are having lunch at the golf club he says that so there's a couple of elements to this so one thing is that Rex is having this constant theme throughout this episode of saying that his meds aren't working and they're looking into it yeah this is um one instance where he's talking about how his meds aren't working he's still feeling pretty sad he didn't play golf because of it like he could really do with a laugh so they call over Tish from another table who's apparently great for a laugh (laughs) She tells a good joke, Tish. So Tish comes over. She tells them about Maisie Gibbons. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh. But something even more interesting that we find out is that Maisie Gibbons had a little black book, which apparently has all the names of her clients. And she's excited at the prospect that this may get out. And when Tish leaves, obviously they didn't laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Why aren't you laughing, Rex? So this prompts Brie to do some damage control. And try to save face for not only herself, but for Rex as well. So she makes a basket of, um, I'm going to say muffins. Yeah, muffins. And waltzes herself down to the county jail to see Maisie. Can I just say, you can't just bring muffins to someone in prison. That's not how it works. She didn't leave them there, did she? I think you can bring stuff, but they check them on your way in. Did they pull apart every muffin for a nail file? I don't think so. Probably put them through a security scanner. Like, you know, those things you have at the airport. Okay, but I didn't ask for logic. (laughs) Okay, apologies. Thank you. I was trying to be funny. Why are you ruining my logic? (laughs) Damn right. She could have an elephant in there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Why can't you just entertain my delusions? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Apologies. I will from now on. Anyway, you were saying... So um, she goes to visit the county jail to see Maisie and hopefully entice her with this basket of muffins to um, not release Rex's name. Not just a basket of muffins, but also 14 grand. And Maisie is like, well, where were you when my husband lost his job and I had to start doing this to keep up with the Joneses, basically. So Maisie sort of stands her ground and says, no, if I'm going to release the book, it's going to be all of it unedited. So Brie takes her muffins and she leaves. She's not going to give muffins to someone who didn't help her. The next scene is that Brie and Rex are at the country club and they're trying to have a nice dinner for like a date night. And everyone just keeps staring at them. And Brie's the first one to notice. 
and she's asking Rex, it's like, is it just me or is everyone staring at us? So Rex looks around and yes, they're all staring. Then they realize, did they realize or did someone tell them that the book has been released? Um, they assume. Yeah, they assume that the book has been released and people are just like staring at them. Not only does Rex feel, I don't know, violated, upset, he just, he just wants to leave. And Bree is like, no, if you leave, I will scream. You are going to sit here, we're going to eat our meal and pretend that nothing's happened. Begrudgingly, Rex sits back down and they order their meal and they eat it under the watchful gaze of the entire neighborhood. Yeah, I want to like explicitly point out that she said, like, we're not leaving just because you're humiliated. If you want to see humiliation, take another step and I'll start screaming, basically. Yeah, Bree's scary when she wants to be. I like, I get like why she wanted to stay and stuff, but I just wouldn't. I would leave. I wouldn't. I think what Bree did was correct. No, I think what Bree did was correct too. There's two options. You either dump his ass and show your face in public <laughs> or you stay with him and you show your face in public. Not to mention that it's something that she's that she's agreed to forgive, if that makes sense. Something that she's decided that she can try to work past. I'm not saying she's forgiven him because she hasn't, but she's at least trying. So I felt like if she just got up and left now, they'd be taking a huge step back in support of him. Uh, no, he doesn't need support. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't support him. I also don't support him, but... I, I agree with staying there to stand your ground, but if anyone needs support, it's Bree, not him. Why the hell would he need support? Because he's the one that's in the limelight right now. So is she. She's more in the limelight, I feel like. I agree. Because there's usually more judgment around you know, your partner cheated and you decide to stay with them. Even before this happened, and when the girls are all talking about this whole Maisie Gibbons thing over poker, there's all the judgment around blaming the woman as well. Like who would go sleep with Maisie Gibbons? Someone who's not getting laid at home. Yeah. But also think of any cheating scandal. The What the man did is overlooked straight away. And whether the woman stayed with him, whether she didn't, that's what's talked talked about. Like, think of when Bill Clinton had his affair. The affair was like... Overlooked. No one gave him any flack. No one said he was, you know, a bad guy. He's not a family guy. He's not this. He's not that. All the discussion around that was around whether Hillary was going to stay with him or not. Is she going to stay together and support the family? Is she going to forgive him? Like, or is she going to break up the family? Like, it was all about what she was going to do. Yeah, and I hate that it turns into, like, is she going to break up the family? Like, no, he broke up the family. So, no, he doesn't need support. Bree needs support. You fuck around, you find out. Exactly. (laughs) And boy, did he find out. (laughs) Boy, did he find out. And he wasn't even the one that noticed everyone was staring at them. Bree noticed because they were all staring at her. Yeah, exactly. And she makes a point of saying, no, they're laughing at you and they feel sorry for me. And they think I'm stupid or something like that. But I think that's where we end things with Brie. Yeah. So now let's talk about Snoozin. Before we do Susan, can we cover off on one quick thing in the Mary Alice timeline? And then Susan's will yeah, make yeah. much more sense. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Paul is talking to Edie um, in his house because he's decided he's no longer selling because um, his son blackmailed him, obviously. So Edie's apparently got his key. She forgot to bring it. She says she'll bring it this weekend, but he's not going to be here. He's going to be off in Mount Pleasant. Um, and he's, and she's like, okay, cool. Um, I'll give it to you later. Or maybe like I should keep it. She's making a wink, joke. wink, <laughs> wink, wink. And it falls flat. He doesn't really get it. Oh my God. <laughs> And this is happening as they're kind of walking outside and Felicia rocks up and she's returning a necklace to Edie that Martha had borrowed. And I thought it was a real sweet moment when Edie turns around and said, oh, I miss how we used to steal things from one another. (laughs) 
Like, real nice. So Paul is, like, really pushing this theory that Mike is the killer. And Felicia's like, no, no, he didn't kill her. Like, there was no fingerprints on the jewellery. And Paul's like, well, obviously he used guns. Gloves. He didn't use guns. He used gloves. Gloves. Yeah. Gloves. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> In, I actually thought I said gloves. <laughs> anyway, so Paul's like, obviously he used gloves. And Felicia's like, no, what kind of an idiot would go to the effort of using gloves and then leaving the jewelry in their house? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And then she starts hinting at the whole Utah thing again. And she's like, oh, by the way, Edie, like, there's this really good antique jewelry store in um, Salt Lake City if you ever wanted to go out there. And she's like, no, thank you. I avoid Utah at all costs. And then she starts, like, asking Paul, like, oh, Paul, have you ever been? And um, he's like, nah, never heard of it. What the fuck is Utah? <laughs> then Paul um goes to his house and he finds an old video of Mary Alice Young getting an award at work in her old nursing days in Utah. And Felicia is in it. And he knows he's basically found out. And then that video makes a comeback in Susan's timeline. What a small world though. All right. So who wants to start us off with Snoozen? So Snoozen is telling the girls basically about how Mike got shot and everything about the jewelry that was found um, by Lynette's kids. And Susan's kind of saying like, no, like I know him. He's a good guy. He's my Mike. Like, you know, he would never do anything to hurt Mrs. Huber. And Bree's kind of just like, okay, so if it's not him, this should be really easy to clear up and we shouldn't be withholding evidence anyway. And Gabby's kind of like, but of course, sweetie, whatever you want. If you don't want us to tell anyone, we'll be accessories to murder. That's fine. Like up to you, honey. But Susan opts to call the police and they have a hilarious argument about whether or not this is emergency enough to call 911. Well, he did murder someone, but not recently. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They end up calling the police. And while this is happening, Zach also comes over to invite Julie to a pool party that he's throwing basically just for her to be able to show up, apparently. Can we just talk about the envelope? What envelope? What about the envelope? Like his party invite? Yeah, his party invite. It had balloons on the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what envelope? This is not significant in any way. <laughs> no, but it, with this, it ties back into what um, Bree's kids were saying, how like uncool he is. He had, like, personalised envelopes, party envelopes. That is, like, the least weird thing about him. So, anyway, Mike's been trying to talk to Susan, and apparently she's been ignoring him for the last couple of days. Yeah, grocery shopping. She's been grocery shopping for two whole days. And while she's talking to him, they're outside in the street. Um, Mike's got his back to the street. And the cops go to arrest Mike in the most dramatic way freaking possible. There's like a freaking SWAT team. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a SWAT team out there. They're all like zeroing in on him. They're like shushing um, Susan, getting her to cooperate. And they like literally leap on him and arrest him. Like, is this all necessary? All you've I know. got yes. so far is a call. Don't you just want to bring him in for some questioning? Like, don't you want to go up to him and be like, hey, can we chat to you about this? Like, why is he under arrest? Because a neighbor called and said they have a bracelet from his house that someone stole. But they didn't okay. even find it in the house. Somebody said, I found this in his house. Yeah, I know. Some child said, I found yeah. this in his house. It's not even in his house. It's like in someone else's hands somewhere else. And they're like, oh, by the way, there's no proof. But I found this in his house. Just point out all the plot holes for us. Like, I don't understand. Like, yes, it's suspicious. Call him in for questioning. But you don't need a SWAT team arresting him yet. No. Like, I don't even think that's enough grounds to have a warrant for arrest, right? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And I've seen a lot of SVU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some kids with <laughs> sticky fingers say they found this in his house. After they lied about making their mum a pot. <laughs> let's, get off, let's get off this horse and continue on with the story. 
Susan's found out about the pool party. Julie's asking if she can go. And Susan's like, nah, hard no. I don't want you hanging around with that boy. Julie's like, why? And Susan's basically like, well, you know, he's crazy. And Julie says, people say that you're crazy. And she's like, but I'm adorable crazy. He's rampage crazy, which is like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least she acknowledges it. There is a difference. Like Susan is crazy, but she's not dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, she did burn down someone's house though. You burned down someone's house once and people just keep going on and on about it. Anyway, so this conversation gets interrupted with a detective coming over and basically asking her all about Mike. You know, he says, like, do you know where he was on the 7th of last month? Um, And Susan's kind of like, "Um, I don't know. Why? Is the 7th important? And instead of this cop saying, don't worry about it, just tell me what was going on. He's like, no, that's when Mrs. Hoover was murdered. It was a Sunday. And she's like, yes, yes. You know, I saw him that night. I know it for sure because it was a significant night in our relationship. It was the first night we, you know. And then Julie cuts and she's like, did it. I know that they did it because she, after they did it, um, she made little heart-shaped pancakes. Yeah, but also she was like to um, Julie, how did you know that? Like, what did anyone else think she was getting at when she was like, that was the first night that we had a significant night for our relationship? And also, why was Julie just sitting in on this questioning as well? We can't speak to a minor without a parent present. That's exactly what I was going to say. She technically is Susan's mum. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this little um, outburst of their sex life um, makes Mike get dropped off by the police back at home and Susan's running across the street going hi oh my god hi are you okay and he's like yeah I'm just embarrassed and she's like don't even be embarrassed you have nothing to worry about by the way I'm your alibi I told them you didn't do it you didn't kill her because I'm your alibi yeah (laughs) I told them that's the first night where you know and he he asks her like you don't think like you didn't think I could have killed her did you and she's like no no of course not as if she wasn't the one who called the police. And he's like, okay, well, jail was gross. I'm going to have a shower. See you later. But Mike actually meets the old guy whose name I never remember, who's eating several pies. And I'm jealous. You have a year to live. This is what you do. Don't worry about diabetes. He literally says, I've got a year to live. I'm not going to worry about my waistline right now. But basically they think that the jewelry ending up in Mike's garage isn't a coincidence. And they get to the conclusion that it must be because he's hot on Deidre's tail. And somebody thinks that he's going to find something out. But literally it was a coincidence. Like, I know. Paul just was like, there's a new guy. He'll be easy to blame and puts it in his house. Um, but apparently this guy, in addition to the fact that he's going to eat all the desserts he wants, he's also not going to save his money and take it to the grave. He's going to keep save Mike's ass as he says yeah conveniently that night detective Copeland is back and he wants to ask Susan some questions and he wants her to go down to the police station Julie's like yeah yeah mum don't worry about this party across the street you go ahead I'll be fine here anyway he's questioning her in one of the typical interrogation room it's got the two-way mirror on the other side of the two-way mirror there's some stern looking guy just watching them from behind the glass that's a very apt description thank you So what the cops have done now is they've put together that the home invasion and Mike's accidental self-shooting align very well together. They think he might be um, responsible for that home invasion, which we know he is. Yeah. Yeah. So he thinks that Susan is giving Mike a false alibi on purpose. 
And he's bringing out Mike's file and he's saying, look, you know, he's not a good guy. Why are you covering for him, etc." But Susan finds out a whole bunch of stuff that she did not know about Mike. She's looking at his file and turns out in 1987, he was convicted for drug trafficking and for manslaughter. And more importantly, he's got this mad handlebar moustache. So, you know, it's the 80s. I know. <laughs> and scruffy hair. <laughs> So he's got me here, his handlebar moustache, like, guilty. Meanwhile, though, Zach's party is going off. And turns out Andrew invited a bunch of people and they're all being jerks. Um, And so Julie and Zach are sitting by the pool and Andrew and his friends are, like, throwing people in the pool. Zach tries to kind of stand up to him a little bit and says, you know, just take it easy. And Andrew tries to smooth it over with him and tries to get him on board. And he's like, you know, be a little party animal. Like, do this little growl. And he's a little bit condescending. And might I ask, where is Paul in all of this? Is this when he's um, in Mount Pleasant? No, you're right. The Mount Pleasant thing happens um, later on. Yeah, it does happen later on, doesn't it? So where is Paul when this happens? No idea. Maybe he, like, blackmailed his dad and letting him throw a party. Anyway, so after the whole Andrew thing happens... Julie asks him if he's okay and this is how you know he's a different kind of crazy to Susan because he's like yeah it's fine because like I don't care I could kill him if I wanted to (laughs) yeah I know I know I know where my mom's gun was held and Julie finally starts to be like oh wait maybe my mom had a point and so she decides she's gonna leave um she runs into Danny crying at the front of the house and we talked about that that's because she had that fallout with John And she tells Zach, I'm taking Danny home and I'm not coming back. And then two things happen to Susan in this moment. So the first is when she gets home, she runs into Mike. And she says that the trip to the police station was humiliating. She wants him to stay away from her heart because she doesn't want him there because she trusted him and he lied to her and he's a murderer. And she's just kind of gone on this rant of like, get the hell away from me. And then she calls out for her mum, Julie. So she's like, Julie, Julie! mummy needs a hug. <laughs> As she comes into the house and Julie's not home because um, I guess she's at Danny's. Can I just say, she doesn't even bother checking like the bedroom properly. She doesn't go all the way up the stairs. She doesn't check the bathroom. Like what if she's shitting? Susan kind of rightfully assumes that um, Julie was at the party because she was earlier, but she's not at this time. Um, so she goes across the street to look, um, look for Julie and the guy says, don't know, don't think she's in there. Like, it's pretty dead in there. But he bar- she barges into the backyard where the pool and stuff is. And um, she's kind of screaming about where Julie is. And she sees two people kissing in the pool. And she thinks it's Julie and Zach. And she's, like, screaming. And both the people dive under the water, right? And um, she's still carrying on and she's waiting. Eventually, obviously, people could only hold their breath for so long. One of the people pops up. And it's not Zach. It's Justin from earlier the one that was um in gabby's timeline and she's asking him is my daughter under there and before he can even say anything the other person pops up and plot twist it's Bree's son andrew dun 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 and the only thing he can say is i'm not gay (laughs) yeah (laughs) like this is just my buddy we just mess around sometimes it's okay yeah exactly (laughs) my heart's not in it But Susan, like, in a very Susan way, apologizes. She puts down the briefs that she had picked up. She stumbles on her way out and she leaves. And then we see um, the stern-looking cop that was watching them through the window of the interrogation room. He's meeting with the old guy who is eating yet another dessert. Well, the old guy 
basically is going to bribe him, I think, to make Mike's problem go away because he asks him what's going to make him happy. Yeah. And I think for starters, maybe start by sharing your dessert, you know? Maybe that yeah. might make him happy. It would make me happy. It was poker day at the ladies. Lynette and Edie are bonding. Edie's telling Lynette about how her first husband taught her how to bluff because he wasn't any good in bed. And Edie asks where Susan was. And Lynette's like kind of hesitant to tell her because it feels a bit like gossiping because she's not close with Susan. And she says, look, you know, she's had it real hard after the breakup with Mike. So, you know, she just kind of needs space. Edie's like, well, why didn't you just tell me that? And she says, well, if you want me to share things with you, you need to be more supportive of Susan. And so with this newfound inspiration, I guess, um, Edie goes over to Susan's house to get her to get out of the house and to try something else and to kind of get out of this rut that she's in. So when she gets there, she's asking about the breakup and um, Susan's decluttering. She's throwing away all this stuff. She says to Susan, like, don't worry, I'm not going to try date Mike, but I do still want to sleep with him because some mountains are just meant to be climbed. I know. (laughs) Yeah. This is her start to being friends with Susan. (laughs) And so, you know, after a bit of um, talking, she convinces Susan to get up and go out and have a few drinks to help her heal. So when they get to the bar, um, they're basically trying to man spot. And Susan's just like getting so depressed. And she's like, it's so hard to find a guy like Mike. But like you dumped him because he's a guy like Mike. I know. <laughs> like, why would you want to find someone else like him? That was the whole point. But she's kind of convinced that she knows in her heart that he didn't kill Martha. Like she just knows it. And um, that Paul is hiding something. And Edie's like, you know what? I think you've got a point because like earlier when I was at his house, he was trying real hard to blame the murder on Mike. And by the way, I kind of have keys to his house. It is so funny. Another like one of my favorite one liners of hers is like just in the following scene, they do break into Paul's house and they're snooping around and stuff like that. And um, Susan asks her while she's like going through drawers and things like that, you know, do you believe in evil? And Edie says, I work in real estate. Of course I believe in evil. <laughs> yeah, I thought I it was like so that. funny. She also had another great one-liner in that scene, though, when she's like, what are we even looking for? An embroidered pillow that says, I killed Martha Hoover. I know. That was so good. <laughs> and Susan's just like, no, just anything suspicious, basically. But then Susan, being the silly dumb Susan that she is, doesn't go through anything. She spends her time grabbing a photo off of the wall, off of the bookshelf, sorry, (laughs) falling to the ground and sitting down staring at it. Yeah, well, Um, it's because she's psychic now and she knows that the house has bad juju. Yeah, it does. And she's like, there's something evil in this house. And, like, I think it's always been here. Like, something bad happened here. But Mary Alice's light was just covering it up and we didn't know. Is her um, psychic abilities have something to do with the fact that she – um, that Paul told um, her that Zach killed Dana. <laughs> like, yeah, it could do. It could do. Next episode, she's going to get a Ouija board out and ask Mary Alice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's going to ask Dana you? what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Plot twist even better. <laughs> and the baby's like, goo goo gaga. <laughs> yeah, I know. She didn't learn words yet. <laughs> um, she does find something. She finds a tape that's labeled like Angela and Susan goes to go chuck it into the tape player. But, like, can I just say, how dumb is this? So they've broken into this house. They're obviously willing to put in a tape to watch. Why are you not turning on lights then? Why are you shuffling around in the dark? I know, literally. Like, I feel like if you're going to do one of those things, turn on the lights, have a quick look and get out. Don't put a video on to watch. 
I know. Take the video and leave. The pretty little liars are descent from these idiots. <laughs> yes, they are. So they find the tape and they decide to chuck it on and they see Mary Alice, aka Angela, starting to get their award, but they don't quite get to the other part of the video where we see Felicia yet when they hear the garage door opening or something like that, keys jingling, something along those lines. And they're like, oh, shit, Paul's here. So they quickly pull out the video and hop behind the couch. Paul walks in, sits on that couch right next to their faces and is um, looking through a magazine. Yeah, but they also drop the video on the couch as well behind the cushion. Which is what Paul is also basically sitting on, correct? Yes. Yeah. and Susan's like mouthing to Edie, like, how are we going get, to get through this and everything? And Edie just pops up and decides now's the time to like, you know, seduce him. She says, yeah. you know what, Paul? Edie's sacrifice. Yeah, Edie's sacrifice. She's like, you know what, Paul? I wasn't kidding before. Um, I came over here to drop off your key and leave you a note to tell you, you know, my feelings and stuff like that. I just want to be able to come over whenever the mood or need strikes. And she kisses him. And while they're very loudly making up, making out, sorry, Susan, she's waving Susan to go. And Susan stops when she's leaving just to look over at Edie with a judgmental look and then keep going. I know, like literally move freaking faster, Susan. What are you doing? Yeah, and then she just crawls all the way to the all the way to the street. But also, like, don't judge Edie because she's doing this so you can get out, because this was your idea. Also, so many problems with this scene. The first is. They were trying to get that tape out while Paul was literally sitting there. Like you kept seeing Susan's hand dive into the pillows and try to get yeah. the tape out while he was sitting there. But when Edie distracts him, she just leaves the um, video there and runs out. Like, why didn't you yeah. grab that before you went? <laughs> why I know. Are you dumb. Um, the I second know. dumb thing is, fair enough, Edie's plan worked, and he was surprised to see Edie in his house. But why didn't he question, why the fuck did you pop up from behind my couch? Why were you I know. <laughs> Surprise. Why, why were you squatting behind my couch in the dark? <laughs> because it's more romantic that way. Don't worry about it. If someone's making out with you, you don't look a gift Edie in the mouth. A gift Edie? In the mouth. Yeah. I know. Well, he didn't look a gift Edie in the mouth. So once um, Susan escapes, she tries to get out um, and escape also. She says, you know, sorry for embarrassing you. Um, you know, I shouldn't have done this, etc." But Paul's like, oh, no, you don't. You're not going anywhere. I'm not embarrassed at all. And he then makes out with her. Yeah. So Edie's like, uh-oh, <laughs> how am I going to get out of this one? But while this is happening... Um, Susan crawls like basically across the street on her hands and knees and Mike cu- runs over to her and he's like that's my woman I've got to get her back right so doesn't question why she's crawling out of Paul Young's house yeah. <laughs> he's just like just Susan things yeah just Susan things he's just like you're snoozing um can we talk you haven't been answering my calls and she's like I'm drunk and I'm freaked out and we're broken up. I've made that clear. And he's just like, why can't we work this out? And she says, because you lied to me. I saw your rap sheet and, um, you know, blind faith isn't my friend. I believed Carl wouldn't cheat on me. I thought Mary Alice wouldn't kill herself. I thought you wouldn't go murdering, but who knows anymore? Mike says, you know what? I was going to tell you actually, but there was never any right moment. And Susan says, well, there were plenty of right moments. When we went and saw a movie and someone got shot, you could have been like, hey, and by the way, I did that one time. <laughs> this was literally one of susan's greatest moments i know i think like it's a very fair point if he wanted to tell you he would have 
Uh, he says, do you want to hear what happened or not? And she says, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to believe a word you say again anyway. And instead of like respecting her space, Mike kisses her and she just like melts into it. And they also make out in sync with Edie and Paul. And then he says, well, at least you can believe that. Like, I know. Oh, my God. Gross. You think people can't lie in kiss? <laughs> Gabby did to try and seduce a ho- gay guy. How is it that you guys can describe gay? Gabby's kiss with Justin as passionate and then you like crap all over this one. It was also passionate but like you can't be like oh yeah this is the gospel truth now because I kissed you. That's not how it works. Exactly. I know I did some murdering and didn't tell you but I've kissed you now. I'm sorry have you not seen any rom-coms? It's exactly how it works. And then um the episode ends with Paul finding the tape in the couch cushion so I think now he suspects that Edie was up to something in his house. I really hope Edie doesn't die next. I'm not ready for that one. Anyway, them's the episodes. Them's the episodes. Them's them. Who has a worse sister story? So not all us to remind her of two. One was about the bathroom at the vets. <laughs> so the bathroom at the vets. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know how the vet doesn't think I'm a dumbass because so I took my dog to the vet on the weekend. <laughs> It's not relevant to this story. He's uh, unwell, but he's fine. Um, so I took him to the vet. But they were going to take him out the back to have a look at him. And it was like a long wait. I had to wait at the vet for like three hours until they got to see him. So I needed to go to the bathroom. And I'm not into stealing porta potties. So Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. So I asked the vet, oh, while you're looking at him, do you have a bathroom I could use? And he says, yeah, um, I'll just show you where it is. <laughs> so we kind of go through like a little bit of a maze. And I follow him to the room that he would be looking at my dog after. And then he's going to, like, just give me directions the rest of the way. And he's like, oh, it's just at the end of the corridor to your left. Yeah. I'm like, so I walked down somewhere. But there was, like, a cross section in the corridor. So I'm like, is this the end of the corridor? I don't know. Do I turn left here? And um, I, first of all, turned right. And he's like, no, no, not there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so left. I'll turn the other way. He's like, that's not the end of the corridor. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was my vet toilet story. My other story was, um, this is another Facebook story. So, you guys remember last week I had a selling stuff on Facebook story? Yeah. yeah. I was selling another item on Facebook. And so this guy, I'm selling a toaster, by the way, he messages me and he's like, oh, you know, what's the price? We agreed on eight. He mm-hmm. said, can you do less than that? And I said again, I'm doing it for somebody else. I can't give you a discount. It's eight. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll come pick it up. So he shows up to my house and he's like, oh, do you have $20 change? Because I don't have $80. I only have 100 or I have 70 Oh, my God. And I, and I said, oh, actually, I'll go check. I might have change. Because I've been selling stuff, I thought I could have possibly have change. I usually don't. Yeah. But I think this guy was like a scammer who tried this all the time to try pay less. Because yeah. he literally was like, because oh, I went and checked, I actually only had $15 in change. Yeah. I like, I don't have 20 but I can give you 15 if that's what you yeah. want to do. And he's like, oh, so you can't accept 70 And I said to him several times, like, nope, I can't accept 70 Like, I'm selling it on behalf of someone else. Yeah. Like, the price is 80 um, if you want, you can give me 85. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's what we've got. And he's like, oh, okay, let me just check my car. And then instantly pulls out another $10. Yeah, of course he does. 
So he asked me several times, oh, are you sure 70 is not okay? Even when I was like, oh, give me a second, I'll go check if I've got a 20. He was like, oh, you're sure 70 is not okay? Like he tried to stop me from checking. I know. And I'm like, no, 70 is not okay. And then he just miraculously pulled out um, another 10 to make it 80. And I'm like, mate, this is obviously a scam that you run all the time. Yeah, I know. He was not expecting you to try and like not argue with him over $10. (laughs) Yeah. So he obviously goes around to people's houses and he's like, oh, I'm just $10 short and expects them to just be like, yeah, you're already here. Just take it. Yeah, exactly. But joke's on him. You've agreed to a price and a time. Who would appear there without the right money? Exactly. This guy. This guy. Because he didn't even text me to say, hey, do you have change when I get there? Like if he had, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to make another stop, but, like, I will if I have to, you know? When you guys have a conversation amongst each other, what's the earliest time you've gotten off the phone? Me and Arzul. Yeah. I don't know. Why? <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> My conversations with Arzul last a lot longer than my conversations with you. I feel like you just get straight down to business and then you F off. I'm sorry. What was I supposed to do? Well, okay, for context... One time, literally Sadie asked me, how was uni? He didn't wait for me to answer and then hung up. <laughs> I feel like Sadie calls. She's like, oh, I just had to tell you one thing. She literally blurts out a five-minute story. And then she's like, what's happening with you? You go, not bad. And then she goes, okay, I'll call you later. Bye. <laughs> I know. <laughs> literally. I can't be on the phone forever and I'm just wondering if you guys are talking like this while I'm here what is it like when I'm not here like how long do you guys talk for you guys are basically just bouncing the same words off each other mate this is like improv okay what you do is you accept what the person has told you and you build on it exactly yes and yes and what you just said again i love you guys but you guys are just like a sounding board off each other there's not an original thought between you two why would we have an original thought when the other one is good and tested exactly all right my worst sister story this this week is that um so obviously it's past halloween now but um one of my kids really wanted to celebrate halloween and I forgot to tell him it was Halloween. So now I'm going to have a fake Halloween. I'm going to have a Halloween sometime soon to make up for my mistake because he's still waiting for Halloween to come around. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> come with us and you will see this our town of Halloween. <laughs> Alrighty, should we wrap up? Let's wrap it up. Let's put some cool film on this thing. So thank you for listening in. And that was Whisperia Lane. You can catch us again next week on the Worst Sister Child podcast where we are covering um, Pretty Little Liars in our segment called Shadeswood. Um, if you have any thoughts or comments or you want to ask us general questions or things you want us to discuss, please reach out to us on, at Sister Worst on X, formerly known as Twitter. Or you can contact us at, at Worst Sister Shire on Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also send us an email at worstsistershire at gmail.com. I'm going to count us out now with a hadabam. You can join in at home too. Three, two, one. Hadabam. Hadabam.